cause us to see as you see, that our minds would be renewed, our hearts would be renewed, and Jesus, you will get the glory. So use me. I thank you for this privilege and this opportunity. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated in the Lord's presence. Amen. For those who um, don't know, we are continuing our series. Uh, this whole month, our series will be entitled Life Together. So our, our ministry for the month will be focused on um, uh, our ability to function as one people and how we love God together, how we serve God together, and how we can make a difference together. Uh, as a consequence, next week when our guest speaker come, Pastor Ron, he would also capitalize on some of those things. And I hope that every one of you will be here next week to welcome our guests. And so uh, then we're going to culminate our month with some serious fasting and prayer. Uh, how many of you believe in the power of prayer? Prayer really does change things. And so, uh, so we're going to continue with our series. Last week we talked about the beauty of togetherness. And so today I want to talk about this subject of connected through love. Connected through love. When we talked last week, we had explored the reality how that unity can be a very, very powerful force. That much of what we accomplish in the body of Christ, God wants us to accomplish together. He designed us that way so that no flesh may glory in his presence. Amen? God, desi he desires and he wants all the glory. He deserves all the glory. And the way that we glorify him is by functioning together as one people. And so I did a challenge, if some of you recall, uh, at the end of that message, I challenge you uh, to come on out to church a little bit earlier. Uh, there were three challenges I gave you, actually, to come out to church a little bit early uh, every Sunday morning, at least next month, and share and eat breakfast with us and fellowship and get to know your brothers and sisters a little bit more. But then we also had encouraged you to find a prayer partner, uh, somebody in the church that you can pray with and Maybe not just, you know, if you're married, but somebody even outside of that, uh, that you can pray with and, and have and, and just believe God uh, with you. Uh, and we also uh, had challenged you to invite someone over to your home uh, or take them out for dinner. And so I hope that you are going to follow through with that. And what I'm believing God for is that this is going to begin to set us up for what we need in order for the power of God to be able to work effectively in our ministry. John 13, 35, Jesus said this, that all men will know that you are my disciples by the love you have for one another. That all men will know that you are my disciples by the love you have for one another. And so what Jesus is simply saying there is that the way that we identify with him is through our love for one another. I want you to hear that. He said, men will know that you are my disciples by how you treat, how you love, how you are connected one with another. And so if this was a main priority for Jesus, how many know that it must be a top priority for us? Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? that we must strive 
to ensure that, when, that the witness that we show forth, it is a witness of love. A failure on our part to participate or to practice, I'm sorry, brotherly love makes a mockery of our whole Christian faith. I want you to think about it. Our whole Christian faith. How many know the Bible says that God is love? And so his children ought to walk in love and that God's love is expressed in the world through his church. How many know that charity starts at home? Charity starts at home. So how many know that we cannot, listen, we cannot be effective in our witness out there as it relates to practicing the gospel until we get it right, right here. You know, this is sports, this is football time, right? And so, you know, in, in, in football, uh, you have, uh, you know, the team that come out on Sunday and they play the football game and we get to watch it on TV. But how many know that they didn't just play the game on Sunday morning when they came together? They actually played the game. They practiced all during the week so that they can be prepared. How many know that we as Christians, it's the same way. We practice love right here so that when we get out on the field of life, we can really make a difference. Brotherly love, I want you to understand something this morning. I really want you to listen because I believe that God wants to take our church to another level. I really believe that. And if we can really grasp what I'm teaching you this morning, it may not be something that really just gets you jumping up and down and screaming and you saying, woo, pastor, what deep, deep revelation. But it is nonetheless life changing. It is the ingredients in order to be able to properly represent Christ in the earth. Brotherly love and how we treat each other means an awful lot to God. An awful lot. That is why Satan works so very hard. Hear me to divide us. He works so very hard to create suspicion. He makes so very hard, he works so very hard to see to it that we major on the minor things and, and, the, and that the things that are really important that we oversee. So there's the enemy knows that if the church ever get the revelation, hear me, of, of brotherly love and, and how that together we can make a huge difference. He knows if the church ever get that revelation, we can make a huge difference. That's why he fights us on every side. And so we must not make a mockery of our faith when, by, by, by not uh, loving one another, by not sharing together, by not uh, demonstrating our love one with another. How many know that if the church don't get it right, then, then the world really has nowhere to turn to? How many, need to, how many of you believe that Jesus is the hope of the world? The gospel, the, 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 the gospel message, this is it. This is life. I don't care how you split it. The only way that people are going to get help in this world is through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The only way that people are going to understand how to be free from eternal sickness and disease is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know a lot of people are worried about Ebola, but, but you know how many know that God is greater than Ebola? You know, I'm not worried. I'm not walking around and you know, all scared. How I many know uh, perfect love cast out fear? We are the children of God. And what I'm saying to you this morning is that we can make a big impact, but we got to do it first together. We got to start right here. The whole message of the gospel is demonstrated amongst one another. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because you, we cannot convince anybody out there, how I many understand what I'm saying, if we don't do it right here. 
We got to love each other. Look at the neighbor and say, you got to love me. See, loving each other is essential. It is essential to changing our world. It's essential. And so when we walk in love, we draw a very sharp contrast in that of the world. When people see us walking in Christian love like we're supposed to be, let me tell you something, it'll make them want to come running. It'll make them. I mean, many of you, I, I, I'm looking at you now. Many of you, you came to this church, and one of the things you said was, I felt love. And that's a good thing. I mean, no, the world wants that. And we got to get serious about this concept of brotherly love. Our effectiveness on the outside will largely depend on our love on the inside. You got that? Our effectiveness on the outside will largely depend on our love, on our effectiveness on the outside will largely depend on our love here on the inside. So that's going to lead us to John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. I'm going to read a few verses here, so you won't have time to, I won't have time to turn there, but I want you to write them down because we are headed somewhere with this. So our first command, let's talk about this, this thing. We're going to lead up to, our, to what it looks like to walk in brotherly love. The first command that Jesus gave us is found in John 13, verses 34 through 35. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And what that simply means, that everything that we do as believers, that the thing that motivates us to do what we do is our love for God. He is the most important. He is everything. He is the motivation. He is the inspiration. He is everything that we are to seek in order to bring about God's plan in the earth. So we're to love God. And we're not to love him casually. We must love him first. The second point is to love God is to keep his commandment. Somebody, you ever heard somebody say, man, I just love the Lord. How do you know that a person loves God? How do you really know? Oh, man, I love the Lord. You ever hear people say that? I just love the Lord. That's great. But Jesus said this. This, this is how you know you love God. John 14, 15, Jesus said this. If you love me, watch this now, keep my commandments. All right? Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Let's expound on that. John 14, 21. He who has my commandments, watch this, and keeps them, it is he who loves me. So watch what he says now. He says, so it's not, it's, it's not, it's not about I just know the word. You hear what I'm saying? It's not about, well, I have his commandments. He said, he who has my commandments, watch this, and do what? And keeps them, it is he who loves me. So let's go back to our first point. We are called to love God with everything that is in our heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. How do I know I love God? Quite simple, I keep his commandments. John 14, 23 says this. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. John 14, 24 says this. He who does not love me does not keep my word. And what was one of Jesus' main commandments? Commandments, listen to me. One of his main commandments was this, and this is uh, John uh, 13, verse 34 and 35. You can turn there if you want. 
I'll go ahead and read it. He says, a new commandment. Everybody say commandment. I want that to register. Everybody say it again. Say commandment. A new commandment I give to you. Watch this, church. That you love one another. Now, if I love God, I'm going to keep his commandments. Am I right about it? He backs it up and says, he said, now, a new commandment. I'm giving you this commandment that you love. How many know what a commandment means? A commandment means it's not a what? It's not an option. Commandment means that I can't sit here and go, well, you know what? Listen to me. Oh, stay with me. I, I don't love him. I don't like her. I don't this. I don't that. I, I, you know, if, if they treat me right, then perhaps. But, but no. No, a commandment is a commandment. Jesus said, a new, how many of you love the Lord? Amen. Slip your hand up if you love him. Amen. Oh, yeah, I'm setting you up. You know it. <laughs> he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I'm commanding you. You've got to love your brother. See, even if, listen, even if you don't want to love me, you've got to love me. Because, listen to me, you can't love God. I'll show you that in a moment. You cannot authentically say you love God, and if you don't love me. I'm going to say that again. You cannot authentically say you love God unless you love me, your fellow brother in Christ. Now, oftentimes we make that an option, don't we? It all depends on how I feel. How many know that when Jesus commands something, he didn't ask you about your feelings? He didn't ask you. He didn't say, well, if you feel like loving Sister Diva, then love her. He didn't say, if you feel like loving Brother Edwin, then love her. It's all up to you. But if he don't respond and treat you right, you don't really have to love him. He says, no, a new commandment. I'm giving you this commandment. Love must. Why is it so important? Because the whole gospel message is centered on love. And where the gospel is displayed and the power of the gospel displayed is amongst its people. So we are to demonstrate what it looks like to be. That's why Jesus says, I'm bringing in, I'm ushering in a new kingdom, a new heaven and earth. So how many know that we're in the kingdom of God? And the kingdom of God is filled with love. Stay with me. You still with me? Say amen. amen. Now, he says, watch this. Verse 35 of John chapter 13. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. All right? Now, I want, I want you to go down because he says, watch this. Uh, no, go back up to verse number 34 in John chapter 13. A new commandment I give you that you love one another. Watch this. Here's a part right here I want to get to. As I have loved you. Are you hearing that? Oh, look at the neighbor and say, that's a tall order. He says, watch this, love one another. Well, how do I love my brother? As, as I have loved you. How many know, let me, let me give you a little bit of explanation of how Christ loved you. How many know that Christ's love for you is not dependent on a quality that is in you that makes you lovable? How many know that you're not all of that? I'll be the first one to say I'm not all that. How many know Jesus loved you with all of your imperfection? How many know you got imperfections? How many know that Jesus loves you and he accepts you just, listen to me, he accepts you as a person, as an as, as a individual, as a soul, as a human. God loves you. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Christ's love for us, hear me, is grace motivated. How many know that God will never stop loving you? I, I want to say that again. How do you know that God will never stop loving you? 
He loves us unconditionally. So hear this. The way that I'm supposed to love my brother is, he said, as I, everybody say, as I, have loved you. So watch this. I love you even though you may not be lovable. (laughs) Even though you may not be my favorite person. I'm called to love you because he said, you love your brother as I love you. No strings attached. You love me. I've shown you everything. I mean, Jesus didn't leave much room for error in this one. (laughs) It's not like, I mean, you read that verse, there's no way you can duck and hide on this one. Pastor, please free me. I can't. The only way you're going to get free is you got to look at that person beside you. Oh, we're going to preach this morning. I, I I can feel the resistance. But you got to look at that person beside you. Yeah, and you got to love them. Because if you don't love them, God said, you don't love me. I'm going to show you that in a moment because some of you, you don't believe that. Well, since we're talking about it, we may as well go ahead and turn there. 1 John chapter 4, verses 20 through 21. Are there? Are you there on the screen? I know they got a verse behind me. I can't see what's going on behind me. I have no idea what she's doing behind me. I'm just trusting that it's all good. Okay. All right. 1 John 4. Verses 20 through 21. Watch this. If someone says, I love God, how many of you say, I love God? I'm just saying, how many of you have ever said, I love the Lord? Slip your hand up. I just want to see. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow, Lord, you're so good. He said, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a what? Pastor, you offended me. What do you want me to do? For he who does not love his what? Brother whom he has seen. Watch this. How? How can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment, he's saying it again, we have from him that he who loves God must, everybody say must, love his brother also. See, the Greek word for hate is miseo, M-I-S-E-O, for those of you who want to do Greek study and all that. It means to love less. It carries the idea to dislike, Mm. to detest. I dislike a detest for my brother. It's amazing, but if you read all of 1 John, John over and over again, all he talked about is, if you love, if you love God, you got to love your brother. You love God, you got to love your brother. You love God, you got to love He says it over and over again. Why? Why does John say that? Hear me. Because here's what he's saying. That your relationship with God is tied directly to your relationship with your brother. Okay. Do me a favor. I want everybody, while you're sitting, lock arms with somebody. Just lock arms. Do a little sign just lock arms. There you go. Lock arms. You can be seated, though. So just stay locked. I want you to stay locked. While you're hearing this sermon, I want you to stay locked up. Amen? I said, <laughs> listen, it's not that hard, people. But I want, you to, I want you to see this picture. Because, see, this is what God blesses. He says, if you love me, me, meaning God saying, if you love him, 
then you got to love the person that you're locked up with. I want you to understand something, that when God sees you, he sees the body. What we sometimes think is, is you know, you know, uh, you know it's, it's, about, it's about God, me being happy. It's about God what I want. Let me tell you something. Our ability to understand and process how important that person is that you're locked up is, is, is critical. Critical. It's not even, a, listen to me, I'm being, I'm, I'm being as serious as I can be. That the church will go nowhere if the church don't know how to love each other. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, now watch this. Now, 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 you can unlock for a moment. Just unlock for a moment. Just relax. Because some, some of you look like you're struggling with that. But effective ministry, let me, let, listen to me, effective ministry begins with us loving one another. Let me look at uh, John, uh, Matthew 5, verses 23 and 24. I don't think you have that verse. I'm just going to read it. Just write it down. Watch this. Now, I want you to hear this first. Are you listening? Say amen. Okay, say amen. He says, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, all right, your gift, whatever your gift is, all right, if you're, if you're gifted to preach, if you're gifted to sing, if you're gifted in hospitality, if you're gifted in doing media, computer stuff, if you're, gift, uh, uh, if, if, if you're gifted in singing, if you're gifted in teaching the children, whatever your gift is. Watch what he says. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you. Now watch this. Now I know how some of us think sometimes. Uh, well, that's the, I don't have nothing against them. That's their problem. But the problem is you have an awareness of it. It's in your spirit. You hear it. He said, so watch this. He said, if you come to the altar and there you remember, can I put a name on it, that John has something against you. Maybe you didn't cause the problem at all. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're perfect because most of us think we're always right. Come on. Maybe you did absolutely nothing wrong, but you're at the altar now, and suddenly it comes up. You see a brother, you see a sister, and you ever been around somebody, and you just got this feeling inside? You're like, ooh. I'm just, I'm, I'm, we're in church, but I'm going to tell the truth. Yeah, we, I, I've been a pastor. I've been in this thing for a long time. I know that Christians don't like each other. I know Christians, I know, I know we're good at putting, we're so good, so cool at putting on the mask, and, and, and we, we just know how not to cross the line, but internally, I don't like you. Here's the problem with that way of thinking. God looks not as man seed, but God looks on the what? The heart. So even if you come up to me and you are saying one thing to me, but it's not really from your heart, that's what God is seeing. Let me keep going. This we're going. We're going to go deeper today. All right, we're going to go deep. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar there, and you remember your brother has something against you, leave your gift where before the altar and go what? Go your way first. Be reconciled to your brother, and then come and then offer your gift. So watch this. Well, you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm annoying. You know, I got to go. Think about this. Think about it. Like my wife would tell you that this is this is something we practice. Now, I have to come up here and I have to minister. One of my gifts is I teach. But there have been times, my wife will tell you, there have been times, you know, we have a disagreement about something. And, and I know I got to minister. <laughs> I got to preach. And you know, the first thing I do, 
baby, let's talk. Let's get this right. You know, because I got to go minister. Why? Because he just said to me that if, I, if I'm gifted, amen, and, 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 and I got a problem with my brother, that I need to put my gift down and go do what? See, some of us think like this. I don't need to be right with you. I'm, I'm anointed by God. Forget you. Flesh. You don't, listen to me, a person who thinks that way don't understand how the body works. Jesus said, if, I mean, you know, what's, you know what's difficult about that verse? He said, if, you go, if, if you're at the altar and you're about to, to minister, to do whatever God's called you to do, just whatever God's called you, you're about to do it. And he said, if you remember that somebody got something against you, you know, it seemed like it's fair to me, Lord, that you would say, like, Lord, if, if I did something to them. But you're talking about, I mean, what if I had nothing to do with it? He says, if there's awareness of it in your spirit, that you need to go and make it right. God, let me know that when we are offering our gifts to God, that we must do it with the right spirit. And the right spirit means that if I'm not right with you, if we're not right and I know that there's a problem, I go put my gift on the shelf and I come and work it out with you. At least I try. Now, if you don't want to receive, that's on you. You hear what I'm saying? Why? Because we're tied together. Well, pastor, you understand, I'm anointed by God. I know you are anointed by God. But you're not in position to serve and do anything for God until you learn how to love your brother. And here, listen to me, this is, the, this is, this is what it's all about right here. See, church, church will bring it out of you. Church will church tell on you. Church people will test you. We'll test each other. You want to see where you really are in the faith? Be around the body of believers. You'll find out real quick where you are. How many of you have thought you were one place and you got a revelation? <laughs> I thought I was over that. <laughs> I thought I was better. So that's just, so, so, so effective ministry, so this idea of me being right with my brother is critical to my being right with God. God says, if you ain't right with your brother, you're not right with me. And by the way, if you're going to offer a gift to me and you remember there's something wrong, then you, know, you need to go and fix that and then come. How many know that if we minister in an atmosphere like that, how many know wonderful things will happen? Amen. So what does it look like? What does it look like? I want to paint a picture for you for the next few moments. This is one of my shorter sermons, I think. I see that tongue in cheek. Um, what does it look like to love one another? What does, so, so I know, Pastor, you just said to me that we are supposed to love each other. Then, Pastor, what does it look like? I want to paint a picture for you so that you can understand. It's only five points, five of these. There could be more, but it's only five. Number one, we meet each other's needs. 1 John 3, verse 17 through 18. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need, watch this, and shut up his heart from him. Here's the question. How does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and what? Truth. You know, one of the things about the Old, the New Testament, 
And in the, the early church in the book of Acts, it said that they sold their possessions and their goods and they divided them among the poor as anyone had need. You know, one of the things that, that, that was so important with them was that they had everything in common. Everything was in common. And, you know, if somebody had a need, if somebody had a need in the house, somebody had a need in the church, you know, somebody was going to step up and do it. Now, if you're sitting here this morning, let me let me let me let me show you how this works. So if you just hear what I, what I just said this morning, what I just read, this verse, and you're thinking to yourself, yeah, nobody, nobody uh, come and help me. That's the problem. How many know that we, everybody here right now should be thinking, how can I help somebody else? See, the Bible says you reap what you sow. So if you won't help, you got to do what? Sow it. If you want friends, you got to show yourself what? If you want somebody to help you and to help meet your need, then you ought to do what? Meet somebody else's need. See, the New Testament church, that's what they did. They said, you know what, when there was a need in the house, hey, people stepped up. I was, I was listening to my wife. My wife was telling me this morning. And, and, and she, said, she said concerning, she said, uh, uh, you know, one of our dear saints in here is, is preparing to move, and they're trying to sell, sell some stuff, you know. And, and, and I said, and then of course, this, this just popped up. And I said, you know, it'd be amazing if we knew one of our sisters who is struggling, who's trying to sell some stuff, if we all, you all got a wind of it, and say, look, let's, let's help you. Let's, let's, let's sell some stuff. What do you need? You need to get rid of that? I'll help you get rid of it. You need help with this? I'll help you with that. Whatever you need help with. How many know when the church responds that way, when everybody thinks that way, it pleases the heart of God? You hear what I'm saying? Number, number two, we show brotherly affection. Romans 12.10 says, be kindly affectionate to one another. With brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. Giving preference to one another. I like that. Uh, you go ahead first. No, you go. No, you go. You go. No, 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 you go. I insist, no, no, you go. No, 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 you go. Giving preference to one another. There ought to be in all of us a joy to defer and to see somebody else go for it in God. We want to prefer to the other person. We want to show brotherly affection. How do we show brotherly affection? This affection means to loving dearly, a fond attachment, feelings of love and compassion toward one another, a tender emotion. We can show affection to one another by a kind greeting, a godly kiss. Everybody say godly. Say, so Pastor, that's not biblical. Well, just read 1 Peter 5.15. Yeah, I know. There's such thing of a holy kiss, a godly kiss. That the idea is there's a show of affection, a hug, speaking kindly to and softly to one another, random acts of kindness. I mean, you know, these are ways that we can show affection to one another. How many know that somebody got up early this morning and they set out a table of bagels for everybody here to come in and eat breakfast, amen? Amen. That somebody ought to go over there and say, you know what, that's a wonderful job. Thank you so much. Thank you. You hear what I'm saying? That's showing affection. I appreciate that you did that. Number three, we demonstrate sincere love. Everybody say sincere. 
Romans 12, 9 says, let love be without hypocrisy. Mm. 1, Peter 20, uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 says this, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently, which means eagerly and continuously, with a pure heart, a pure heart. Let love be without hypocrisy. We had this question come up in our Bible study. We was talking about the other day. We were talking about loving each other. And the best way I can describe it is this. He says, let love be without hypocrisy. You know, how many know that a lot of folk know how to fake it and make it? You know what I'm talking about, right? You know, you can, you can fake it and make it. You can act like I love you. I can, as far as I can see, I love you. But hypocrisy means that I'm saying one thing, but in my heart, I believe something totally different. I know I'm acting like I love you, but I really don't care about you at all. He said, love without hypocrisy. Our love must be authentic. Well, pastor, what if I really don't love the person? Here's what you do. Y'all ready? Look look up, say say amen. Because sometimes your heart ain't where it needs to be. But first, you got to be honest. If your heart ain't where it needs to be, you first need to confess it to God. What did David say? David said this, create in me a clean heart and renew unto me a right spirit. What that means is whenever I find my spirit is in contention with God, you know what I do? I pray. I say, God, right now, I got some messed up emotions. I don't feel good about this person. I don't feel good about this situation. But God, will you please, God, change my heart. God, help me to love this person from the heart. Help me, God. But what a lot of people do is, is, is that here's, here's what we do sometimes, is, is we, we, we cover our space. We put on the act. Now, how many know that eventually what's in the heart will manifest? So if your heart is, wherever is in your heart is eventually going to come out. Trust me, the pressure cooker always makes sure it happens. Authentic love means that I really love you and I love you from my heart. I've been doing this thing for a lot of years. And if, you, if you've been walking the Lord as long as I have, you can find, you can see cues. There's, there's certain patterns. I've had people say, Pastor, I love you. I love you, Pastor. That's why, no offense, no offense. I mean, I hope everybody understand. So when somebody come up to me and they say, Pastor, man, that's a, that's a good word, or Pastor, I really appreciate that. Now, I'm grateful for that, but you know, I stay even keel <laughs> because I had people say one thing and they do completely another. How many know that we need to be authentic with each other? We need to stop playing games with each other. Listen to me. Our heart needs to be in the right place. So it's, it's not right for me to make you think one thing when you know in your own heart it ain't right. Let's be authentic, amen? Let's, he said, let love be without hypocrisy. Let our love for each other be authentic. And if wherever it is not authentic, then ask the Holy Spirit to help you. God will help you. Do you hear me? He will help you. Number four, we only got five of these and we're done. Number four, we prioritize love and not the gifts. How do we show love? Godly brother, godly love, is that we prioritize love and not the gifts. First Corinthians chapter 13, verses one through three. Paul said this. 
I need you all to listen. I really I need you to catch this. This is so important. Paul says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clinging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, he says, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. In the Corinthian church, it was all about them showcasing their gifts. But they forgot what was the purpose of the gifts. How many know that if God has gifted you, he gifted you to share your gift in love with the body and abroad? It's not, listen to me, it is, love is the foundation by which we do everything that we do. If you have a pathetic, I mean prophetic ministry, if you have, <laughs> that was a joke. Uh, <laughs> Amen. Please do. So that if you, if you got crazy faith, right? Man, I'm, I got faith, man. I can move mountains. I'm, I mean, I'm anointed, but I got all this. But he said, if you don't have love moving that thing forward, if love is not your motivation, he said, you ain't nothing. But yet sometimes in the church, I see that we are more enamored with gifts than we are with relationships. Relationships. Love your brother. If I have a gift, how do you know my gift is supposed to encourage you? My gift is supposed to uh, uh, help you. My gift is not to push you away. The Corinthians were using their gift in a way that love wasn't behind it. They just were like, hey, you know, they just was just all out of control. And Paul said, if y'all don't love each other, it don't mean anything. So if you're gifted and all of you are, then make sure that whatever you do, that love is behind it. So I'm doing this because I love God. And you know what else? I love his people. How do you know to love God, you got to love his people too? I know that is hard for some of us. Because you grew up in environments where it's really, you grew up on the other side of the tracks. You didn't grow up, but how many know now you're in the kingdom? So you got to think differently. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, he says, pursue love, but desire gifts. He says, desire gifts, but pursue love. Love is most important. I love you. 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 That's why I do what I do. Lastly, we walk in brotherly love, and this is a big one. Our love covers a multitude of sins. 1 Peter 4, 8. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Now, Peter is not saying there that when there's open sin in the church, that we're to turn away. 
like we just ignore it. He's not saying that because, as we all know, Peter or Paul, he wrote, for example, to Corinthian church, the whole letter of the first Corinthian was more like a rebuke of bad behavior and wrong behavior. Am I right about it? So we know that when he says love covers a multitude of sin, he's not saying that I need to turn away when I see sin. I just need to act like I don't see it. No, it's not, not what he's saying at all. Love covers. You remember the woman that was caught in adultery? When she got caught in adultery, which we still don't know which one of those jokers was with her, but that's another story, another sermon for another day. She got caught in adultery. What did they do? They didn't try to cover her, did they? They dragged her out. And they put her in the front of everybody and say, look at this adulteress. Lord, we, should we just go ahead and kill her? Let's stone her. And Jesus, Jesus said, well, well hold up, hold up, hold up before you sling that stone. Uh, which one of you have no sin? And, and in short, everybody started dropping their rocks and they started walking away. And Jesus went to the lady. He went to her privately. He says, woman, where are your accusers? He says, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. See, love always seeks to restore and build up. Love never wants to try to expose. You remember, what was in the book of Genesis? I think it was Noah. He had three sons, one of them named Ham, and Noah got drunk. And, uh, and, and Noah left himself naked. He was uncovered. And... Uh, and I believe it was Ham, I believe. One of the sons ran up there and he and saw his daddy naked. He said, everybody, come look at daddy. Look, 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 look. And he was rebuked for that severely. Love covers a multitude of sin means that we don't operate from a spirit of condemnation. But what love does is say, love seeks to to restore, it seeks to cover. See, if I know somebody's in the house and they're struggling with a sin, how many know that the best way I can handle that is to try to handle it in a way that I love them out of that sin? How many know that I love need to provoke people out, but not with a, a spirit of condemnation? Oh, you're a nasty person, you're this and you're that. Love covers. Love seeks to restore and build up. Love is not anxious to expose sin, but love covers sin. We deal with it, but we deal with it from a place of love and not condemnation. How many know the Bible says in Galatians 6 that you who are mature in the Lord Restore someone with meekness. Love covers a multitude of sins. So how do we show brotherly love? What does brotherly love look like? We care for each other's needs. We show affection toward one another. We demonstrate sincere love. That means that we're not being a, we're not being a hypocrite. We're not saying one thing and then our heart is running rampant in someplace else. 
We prioritize love and not the gifts. Everything we do is based on love. And then our love covers a multitude of sin. It simply means that our love provokes people to do the right thing. In conclusion, I want every head to be bowed at this moment and every eyes closed.